This is Faith Fulcrum, a podcast for anyone trying to balance faith and tradition with contemporary challenges. I'm Mark Baldrige. I'm Scott Simpson. And our conversation grows from a lifetime friendship born within a Bible-centered community of believers. And we don't always agree. So you don't have to either. Weigh what we have to say in the scales of your own faith and see. You're listening to episode number one, Mother and Child. So what is proof text to you? What do you mean when you say it? Proof text, in my mind, is I've got this place I want to go that I think is, is, the, is the answer. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like peck around and find uh, the pieces of my argument that I want to make and, and pull out a, a verse here, a couple of verses there, and, um, and not, not, not pay right. too much attention to the context or, or, the, or even the author, the audience, the whatever, you know, any of that. I like what you're talking about. You're saying some kind of cherry picking, kind of proof picking, uh, yeah. looking for proof for something you want to posit and looking for it in scripture as opposed to looking for it in evidence or something like that. Well, like, yeah, I can say uh, God said it, that settles it or whatever, right? It fits in with uh, confirmation bias. Yeah. Uh, every bit of data I take in uh, confirms what I already believe. Scripture has been used for uh, to, to make the argument that slavery is, is a God-mandated institution and to make the point that slavery is an abomination, just to give one example. Right. We'll see some of that, actually, in the verses you've looked at. So today right. we want to look at, you put it in words, what are we looking at today? Well, I think we're looking at passages out of the Bible that come into this debate around abortion, which is oh, abortion. Abortion. Okay. a huge right. thing right now. Um, and, and so these, these, are, these are four of the key pieces that are that are brought in. Let me congratulate you on picking an easy subject. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to me like like you brought up the possibility of this anyway. So I'll allow you I'll allow you to take some of that credit. You can't send it <laughs> on me. Uh, so you have picked some verses and you have we've worked out some kind of order. So let's look at them. Yeah. So we're going to take a look at uh, Jeremiah 1, really verses uh, 4, 5, and, and maybe we'll go ahead and read 6 as well. I'll go ahead and read that. The word of the Lord came to me, and this is Jeremiah, came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Um, so we have this, that the context is um, Jeremiah's being called as a prophet, and he's, you know, he's about to be called into some difficult stuff to deliver some uh, not-so-great news to some very powerful people that he knows he's going to suffer from. Right. This is early right. in the book, and he's, uh, he's yeah. this is the call. It says that's what yeah. we're looking at. Uh, I guess that's from the New International Version. That is. That's New International. You got a different version there? No, I'm looking at that. We'll post the links to... Um, the Bible Gateway general page where all the different right. versions are. So you can choose. You can pick and yeah. choose when you're proof proof of versing. Proof. When, you're, when you're proof texting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so get, yeah. It's, it's a very handy proof texting tool. Yeah. Proof text me <laughs> on my phone and I'll get back to yeah. you. Uh, so this is early on and he's uh, this is the call of Jeremiah, it yeah. says here. So and I he's saying, I know who you are, right? And I knew you before you existed. That seems very clear. Yeah. And, 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 and I think what you know, in my in my understanding of this, it seems like a, a good thing to tell someone if you're asking them to do something really hard, uh, and if you are um, if you are the creator, 
Um, <laughs> are then, a deity? Yeah, yes. Then it makes sense to let them know. Hey, I I knew before before uh, before you were around. I I knew you, and I I've prepared you for this. And don't worry, you're going to be able to do it. Yeah, he's very clearly saying two things right up front. I formed you in the womb. That's clear. I, he says I did it, uh, but he says uh, I formed you in the womb. But then he says, but before that, mm-hmm. before I formed you. So that says not when you were a fetus and I was putting your little toes on. Right. That says before you were formed at all, before mm-hmm. I formed you, I knew you. You were around in my mind, maybe. Right. God knows everything. Maybe that's it. Or uh, or in a special place. Mm-hmm. There are people who believe that their souls come from someplace uh, or a cycle. They, they come back through. And so people might say, before you began to be formed before I formed you. Your soul existed in the great storehouse of souls. It was serial number 266779. Right. But I think also what that says to me, and this may move us into uh, maybe some of the problems with this. If you, if you happen to be an egg sperm combination that's not going to work out, either you're an ectopic uh, pregnancy, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna miscarry, you're not, you're not going to become somewhat I then I knew that before too if 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 we take this to be the case well are we assuming here that God is saying not only you who is this Jeremiah God forms every human being in the womb not just I would assume prophets. I would assume so of all the automatic and even unknown as we now understand many women uh, have many incomplete pregnancies that abort or uh, Miscarry. So all those, including all the miscarriages and all the, the babies born, but with an unformed brain or uh, unformed uh, internal organs uh, that cannot live and do not live, that God formed them to. Right, right. So sometimes he finishes the job and sometimes he doesn't. And that's all uh, we got to assume part of some kind of, you know, idea or plan. Because that he has. clearly God intentionally, if, if, if we're taking this um, the way it's being stated, uh, there's an intentional formation of the mole on my left cheek, uh, and, that, <laughs> yeah. and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that I'm uh, not allowed to remove it. Some people are ill-formed, apparently right. by God, right. and they're not allowed by God uh, to uh, into the temple. They have right. deformities, right? Or, or injured in particular ways. That's right. If you crush uh, your testicles, I remember that one. Yes. That's a good one. I like that right. one. I. I it makes me cringe. Right. It, makes, yeah. it has been making people cringe for, what, 4,000 years or so. Yes. Uh, making men cringe. And, and, and speaking yeah. of men here, this I noticed, you know, this uh-huh. I, I pictured this. Because in the womb, forming you, I was there, you were there, but the person who's not there is the carrier of this womb. It's like it's happening in outer mm-hmm. space. It reminds me of the end of... 2001 A Space Odyssey, a big floating fetus in space. That's kind of what it sounds like. And and it makes me think, okay, so God is there and you are there, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. my little man. But there's no one else here in this story. No one else is involved. The mother carrying Jeremiah is not named and not Mm -hmm. referred to and not pictured in the above uh, illustration. It's a weird little passage. I don't see what it proves. Does it prove Um, anything to you about... uh, No, no, it proposes uh, some things, and and primarily, it seems to me, the way you would say to someone, if you're asking them to do something hard, the way you'd say, hey, uh, it's okay. I picked you for a reason. You're going to do fine. You're ready to go. It certainly does not seem, and this is back to your notion of uh, proof texting, it does not seem that this is a, a verse that has anything to do with the death of fetuses no. or 
uh, abortions or uh, no. miscarriages or no. women or uh, or any question like that. You got another one? If, uh, yeah, yeah. Because and and I think I, I really appreciate uh, what you uh, mentioned about the absence of uh, the mother. This next one really, I think. Touch, touches on that. Um, Psalm 139, uh, beginning in verse 13, maybe just uh, 13 and 14. Would you like to read that? For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are so wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Uh, well, this one is different, of course. It has the, it's set in the same weird space, a secret place. I think it's because we don't see what's going on. Uh, these men would have known about, they would have butchered many animals. They would have seen many fetuses of, uh, of, I was going to say pigs, but probably not a lot of pigs. No. <laughs> mostly, mostly cattle. Yeah. They must have seen a lot Sheep. of, yeah, chicken. Sheep. Yeah. They knew, they knew how <laughs> the machinery worked. And, uh, uh, David, if this is David, is this a Psalm of David? Do we even know? Uh, yes, this one is a Psalm of David. So he's a, he's a uh, butcher. I mean, you know, he really was a mm-hmm. warrior and uh, killed his 10,000s. Yeah. And so they had a good sense of anatomy. They knew how they, they saw things as they failed and how they functioned while they were still functioning. They saw animals and humans. They had a pretty good idea, but what they didn't have is microscopes. And what we're talking about is something invisible. By the time you see a fetal animal or even human, the little hands and toes and feet, Something else has happened that is invisible. But they've never seen an egg. Right. Uh, and they've never seen a sperm. We, they talk about seed, but they don't have sperms. They have yeah. semen. Uh, don't mean to uh, you know, yeah. shock anyone. Uh, but they don't know anything about sperms and eggs. So this exists for them in a kind of mental space. It's before a woman feels anything. And it's, so it's a kind of shrouded in mystery. It's in the same liminal, weird bubble, uh, a womb kind of floating in space. The, the argument that's a attempting to be made is that uh, uh, every, every fetus is fearfully and wonderfully made, and so destroying it is destroying a fearfully and wonderfully made uh, human being. I just don't, I just don't think you can um, get that out of that. I am of the opinion that all of this is correct. Uh, I don't know about the predestination bit, but yeah. the fearfully and wonderfully made bit, every human life is important and valuable and um, has the right to continue. The only question, my only question is, are, is there a context in which other lives uh, hang in the balance? I would, ag- I would agree with you. I, w- I wonder, I wonder though, because our, our conversation uh, in the public sphere seems to be about uh, timing. Yeah, Quinn. Yeah, uh, I never the, got that. Right. I never understood that at all. Uh, well, see, I. Uh, well, I, uh, it seems to me that the, the question of when some cells that certainly have the potential of being a human being, when, at what point, what enables the, this, these cells? Is it, is it the first time they divide? Is it the second time they divide? How far along is it? Is it once the brain is developed? Is it once the heart is going? Is it? Well, what do you mean by developed? I think that's, a, I never have understood that. Is this a human life? Absolutely a human life from the moment it's, what is it called? A zygote. Yeah. Right. 
From the moment of conception, we're talking about a human life. What, and what is it, frog? No, obviously you can't tell the difference. And if you are uh, 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 exposed to an elephant fetus, you're not going to know it's not a human fetus. Yeah. Just by looking at it, there's the facts. Is it a human life? Yeah, absolutely. Human life. It's not a scientific question. It's not a religious question. How we got hung up on when, I'll never know. But let's move on to your, uh, you've got another one here that's kind okay. of about, <laughs> yeah, about, about abortion and miscarriage. I want to hear sure. that. Sure, yeah, this one, this one I think is interesting. And I'm going to have to, I'm not going to read this entire thing because it's very long. Uh, we're, in, we're, we're in numbers uh, five, probably 11 through 28 is, is the important part. I'm going to read a little bit and then summarize a little bit. Then the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, if a man's wife goes astray and is unfaithful to him so that another man has sexual relations with her, and this is hidden from her husband and her impurity is undetected since there is no witness against her and she has not been caught in the act. And if feelings of jealousy come over her husband and he suspects his wife and she is impure Or if he is jealous and suspects her, even though she is not impure, then he is to take his wife to the priest. He must stop right there. Yeah, sure. So let me just make sure I got this right. (laughs) It was a long run-on sentence, I believe. And there's a lot weird. There's a lot of weird stuff. Like he suspects her, and she's not impure, and he's to do this. But it's like, how will he know that she's not? It's a weird setup. But I get it. They want to cover all the bases. I actually like the fact that they're covering them all. So here we go. We have a man who is jealous. That's established in That's both right. possible scenarios. And it's come over him. So he says, I, I think you've been sleeping with the milkman or my brother-in-law. You know, my brother, not my brother-in-law. Uh, that would be a different sin. <laughs> He's supposed to take her to the priest. Is that, I got that right? I'm jealous. That's right. I have my doubts. I, I don't know. I think that's what they're getting at, uh, if she slept with that guy or not. And there's some com- th- something coming up here about her being pregnant by possibly that guy. So if we got, if I'm caught up, then go ahead. See, I think this is where I, I think this is where the misunderstanding comes in, though, because I, I don't believe this is this says this doesn't say anything about pregnancy, not yet. It doesn't say that she's pregnant. It says. He thinks he thinks she may have done something. Yeah, it's she up. may have. Where's it come up? Oh, well, let's keep reading. It's okay. Your, your so uh, the priest shall bring her and uh, stand her before the Lord, and then he's going to take some holy water in a clay jar and put some dust from the tabernacle floor into the water. And after the priest has had the woman stand before the Lord, he shall loosen her hair and place in her hands the rem- the reminder offering, the grain offering for jealousy, while he himself holds the bitter water. And brings that brings a curse. Then the priest shall put the woman under the oath and say to her, If no other man has had sexual relations with you, and you have not gone astray and become impure while married to your husband, may this bitter water that brings a curse not harm you. But if you have gone astray while married to your husband, and you have made yourself impure by having sexual relations with a man other than your husband, here the priest is to put the woman under this curse, quote, may the Lord cause you to become a curse among your people when he makes your womb miscarry and your abdomen swell. May this water that brings a curse into your body so that your abdomen swells or your womb miscarries. And then the woman is to say, amen, 
so be it. Now, what it seems to me is going on here is, from at least one expert, that the woman isn't necessarily pregnant, but what is happening is the curse she's receiving is the curse of barrenness. From here on out, if she attempts to have a child, she will not be able to, that she'll be barren, not that she is pregnant now. I would say that's not a very satisfying result for her jealous husband. He takes her in because he thinks maybe she's cheating. And the result is afterwards she walks out and doesn't have a baby. And then he has to wait and see if she never has one. (laughs) I don't think that could possibly be true. Besides, it goes on. Uh, The priest write these curses on a scroll and then wash them off in the bitter water. That's a great bit. It's like Mm -hmm. they're doing magic. Uh, if she has made herself impure and be unfaithful to her husband, this will be the result. When she is made to drink the water, finally, that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering. It will enter her, her abdomen will swell, and her womb will miscarry, and she will become a curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, however, she has not made herself impure, then you poisoned her for nothing. That's how it reads to me. <laughs> well, I think, I think you may be right. But what's in it? Well, there's some dust from the... But what's in it? Well, you write it on a scroll, then you wash it off of a scroll, and that goes in it? Yeah, but what's in it? Well, it depends on who you are. It depends on what you've done. And uh, I think you're right. It is a kind of a... looks like a recipe for what the the technical term is, abortificient. Mm. And abortificient is uh, a plant or a substance that will make a woman uh, or an animal, I suppose, miscarry. Uh, miscarry. However, it's also a test, which is it's the other, the, the other piece of this, because it's not just, if you need to cause a miscarriage, here you go. It is less about the ingredients than it is about something that God is going to do inside her, given... He's in trouble from right that minute, because <laughs> he can make her go through this gauntlet. Uh, unless, as you say, God comes in and magically makes it not, you know, not poisoning you. It reminds me very much of the test for witchcraft. Exactly. A woman who's accused of witchcraft, you don't even have the hope of learning to swim real quick because that proves you are right. one. And, and, and the, I think the, the point being, these kinds of tests, they ha- their conclusion is foregone. Uh, the test for the test for a witch, you know, we're gonna throw you in the water. If you if you That's if right. you swim, you're a witch. If you sink and die, you weren't. Sorry, the, but the, but the, the the mysterious missing entity here is the milkman. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, and the husband, I mean, look, is there a similar law on the books um, that says uh, you, if the wife gets jealous and thinks that her husband is dogging all over the countryside, what she gets to do? Is there any of that? No, there's not. No, say this doesn't seem terribly surprising. Yeah, and in fact, that question kind of comes into play uh, in this in this last uh, scripture over in Exodus. If you're ready to, let's let's jump over there. I got one last thing for this. Oh, I'm sure, not sure. sure. I kind of want to each one of these un- try to understand how people have tried to use it. To me, all it seems to say is, if you are owned by a man uh, and he has feelings he can't prove about you, he he can make you take a life uh, threatening test uh, that could harm you or the life of your unborn child. The man is in charge of the woman's body. The man is in charge of the woman's fetus. Look, if it's not his fetus, then it's okay to murder it. If we're going to go by this, if we're going to make laws like this, then what the law should say is uh, a husband has a right to abort the fetus of his woman, his wife, if he thinks she may have slept with another man. That's the law. That's the law we should have. And I don't really think anyone wants that law. I'm ready to move on, actually. Okay. Exodus 21, 
22, and I'll go through 25. If people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Love that bruise for bruise bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if many, yeah, I don't know if many examples from the Bible of people bruising people for bruises. You know what I mean? Like, hold them down. I'm giving him noogies. Yeah. It, it reminds me of that, uh, you, you, hey, you want a Hertz donut? <laughs> no, yeah, I don't. Yeah, then, then you get him a punch and you say, Hertz donut. I think, I think the reason this one's used is because it clearly uh, says, hey, causing the death of a fetus is not a serious injury, number yeah, one. Yeah, it's not a serious injury. She might have been more seriously injured. She might have internal bleeding, in which case something else is going to have to happen. I mean, there's going to be bruise for yeah. bruise. So bruise you're going to end up with internal, yeah, you're going to end up. <laughs> internal bleeding. You get fined for causing someone's animal to miscarry or, or very similar to that. Or as we can see elsewhere, maybe uh, to uh, harm to a slave. Harm to a slave. Yeah. In, in fact, you're being actually in a way. Okay, so bruise for bruise, this woman has been hit hard enough to give birth prematurely, and we're going to just say that that could lead to some serious miscarriage action. Right. Then uh, what is what, what is this going to have to pay? Well, uh, it's not going to be you get to go in there and just hit the guy as hard as you can, mm-hmm. because it's not a serious injury. If, if, if you hit a woman and she miscarries, it's not serious. Right. In this section of Scripture, the value of a fetus falls far beneath the value of a woman, which falls far beneath the value of a man. I think in reading the larger picture, I think we, yeah. we see that pretty easily, that, that women are generally considered property here. Yeah, well, in fact, uh, this is a whole bunch of verses about property. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years, but in the seventh year, he shall go free. But I noticed that it comes down later, if you buy a female servant, they don't go free after mm-hmm. time. And if you... And there's some, it seems to me that there's a sense that if you buy a, a female servant, that they're boinking her down uh, just by default. Uh, because uh, it's verse seven, if a man sells his daughter as a servant, I love it. You know, it's like, yeah, what are you going to do with this extra daughter? I will sell her. She is not to go free as male servants do. Uh, if she does not please the master, he, he has to basically buy her out. Yeah. But he has no right to sell her to foreigners because he has broken faith with her. Then he says, oh, well, you can select her for your son. So you can actually breed her with your son. So it just seems like boinking comes into it by just by the nature of the relationship. If you've got female servants and if you look at uh, a lot of stories in the Bible, they get concubines and stuff as a matter of course. Right. It's not like there's anything special about it. You've got your wife and you've got whoever's lying around the, the old place. <laughs> you don't just have your one wife, quite a few have have quite a few wives as well. So we're looking at, for examples of like sexual and uh, interpersonal morality to a society where you buy a guy's daughter. It's a weird little world that we're going to base our morality on. But okay, I can see how this one gets brought into the argument. If there is serious injury, yeah, you are to take life for life. The life of the fetus is not is obviously not being counted as a life. It's not life for life because that the life doesn't count the same way. And it's not accidental murder, because if it was, I'd have to run for the cities of refuge. This is a nice passage here that says that uh, a fetus is somehow a special case. But you know what? 
I don't believe it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. The human being is a human being, even if it's only uh, two cells. I don't get this as an argument, certainly for abortion mm -hmm. rights. If the argument is that they're not human, I, I disagree with this passage, if that's what it's trying to say. I guess I, my question would be, is there a difference between something that is alive and human and a, uh. li and a living human being? Because... I, I can clip a chunk of skin uh, off my finger, and that's alive. But what makes uh, the removal of a of a sick organ different than the removal of a fetus? I think there is a kind of psychology that extends to the human form where it doesn't belong. For instance, you talked about taking out a kidney or something, and you know, or sawing off a leg. Uh, and you, I think you have a story about uh, <laughs> sawing off a leg. And I, I, yeah, it was it was a great grand a great grandmother, um, uh, and I, I whom I never knew, but I know that uh, uh, my father and his mother uh, went to kind of take care of her um, because she had to have this her leg removed. Uh, but they were there at her house then when um, she came home, and then very soon after uh, her leg came home, uh, so that they could bury that leg um, where she eventually would be buried, so that she could be buried with her leg, and that fit into their particular belief about the resurrection, that she would need her leg when she was resurrected. I find that yeah. charming and sweet story. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad that she was able to be buried with her leg. I really <laughs> do. I think a lot of the abortion um, controversy uh, has been stirred up by dinnertime Gallup polls. I believe if they had called up and asked about the common procedures involved in autopsy, uh, how do you feel about uh, making an incision down the middle of the face so that the face can be pulled away from the skull, right? Or however it mm -hmm. works. People would not also have gone for that. And then you'd say, how, how do you feel about this on the dead corpses of children? And people would just say, no, it should not be done. But of course, it must be done in order to identify diseases that might be running rampant through the population to find killers or uh, caregivers who were negligent. We have other rules and laws. Uh, some of them are religious, but others that are not of human beings for millions of purposes that are all good, mm -hmm. in which we recognize that that the rules are not in place. If somebody's right. life is at stake, uh, even murder is justified. That, to me, seems to be where the question really lies. Does this child have a right to life? Yeah, I would say this child has a right to life. Does it supersede the right the woman has to her own body? I can't mm -hmm. see how it would. So what has caused the shift? Because it was, uh, in my understanding, it was only four decades ago that uh, the Southern Baptist Convention um, had, had no problem with, uh, with abortion. And, and, and there's been this shift. And I, and I mean, I think I know, I think I understand part of what, I, I don't want this to just degrade into a discussion about political uh, operatives and, and intentions, but how is it that, that we are a people who are not taking into consideration the woman's bodily autonomy and in, even at to risk of her life? I mean, we might be saying in most, in most states, we're saying, except if she's going to die. But we're very happy to take it right to the edge where she may get very sick and maybe even not be able to ever have children again before we make that decision. That's right. Not all states are, are even willing to admit that because they see the right uh, of the unborn. But God or nature, somebody 
thought that the way to propagate the human species was to put all the workings of the human formation inside the bodies of human women. And that literally put it in their lap. Mm -hmm. The being that's being formed can't choose, can't choose to live or die, can't choose to smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol, can't choose to drive real fast on a motorcycle, right? This child cannot, mm -hmm. cannot choose anything. I'm going to put all those choices in the mother that envelops and wraps and sustains and gives up her body, her blood and her food to this uh, nurture, this child. God or somebody thought women should have all the deciding powers for human yeah. beings yeah. not yet ready to make those decisions. And, you know, I would fight to the death a government or a system that tried to take the, those decisions out of the, the hands and minds and hearts and bodies of the women where God or nature put it. Yeah. Yeah. These very passages that many conservatives are pointing us to, these passages justify male ownership yeah. of fetuses, of, of, of women. There, I want to I kind of wrap up because I do feel like yeah. there's going to be some feeling of moral relativism here. And I want to encourage that feeling. Uh, I know that moral <laughs> relativism gets a bad rap. But I am saying, and I think we're both saying, and I think it makes sense to say that when two lives are in the balance, one can be more important than the other. The one, the woman who is walking around talking can be and must be more important than a, a fetus we haven't met yet. Yeah. It's a human child, but they're not equal. The unborn, uh, very small clump of human cells, which is a, a human, but certainly is not yet a person, cannot be um, equal in weight to the woman mm -hmm. who carries him. But uh, and I, that's a moral. It's a moral, a morally relativist statement. And I think I, I'd like to. Uh, maybe that's the next topic because uh, I have a whole a whole sermon I can give on, the, <laughs> on moral relativism. That but, sounds like a great topic. Thank you. If you want more content like this, we're building a website at faithfulcrum.com, or you want to get in touch, email us at faithfulcrum at gmail.com. Hey, Scott, we started with a, a hymn from our own mm -hmm. tradition, but we're starting new traditions yeah. here. You got, uh, you got a new yeah, hymn? Yeah I, yeah, I think I've got something gestating. Mother takes her life into her hand Give a child a chance to live Who am I to place myself into that space Her life's not mine to give Yeah, every child is a, a precious thing Bearers of sacred personhood Hung between conception and the death Every choice that child's for ill or for good 
Can't take away that choosing 